So about six years ago, I was um, unemployed, I guess you can say in a season of unemployment, and things were kind of uh, um, unstable for me, not knowing uh, how I was, uh, was going to pay rent, um, not having a steady income. I had been divorced and single for approximately eight years, and after seeking a wife, for about eight years and without any success, I began to get a little discouraged and not question God, but question why it was taking so long for God to bless me with um, the wife I desired. In this season, I had a lot more time to um, spend with the Lord, quality time, um, reading the Bible, um, praying, speaking to God and allowing God to speak to me. And a lot of times with me, the Lord will drop something in my spirit or he'll quicken a, a scripture in my spirit. And he quickened uh, Matthew 6.33 in my spirit. Seek ye first uh, his kingdom and his righteousness and all other things will be added unto you, which I was very familiar with and had read several times. But I didn't realize that I, I wasn't applying it to my situation um, concerning seeking a wife. You know, a light came on in my spirit. I said, okay, uh, I realized what I've been doing wrong. I had been seeking a wife first and not seeking God first. So when I made that change and said, okay, God, you know, I'm going to put this in your hands. I'm, I continued to seek a wife, but I had this renewed confidence or assurance that God was going to make it happen. It wasn't me and my ability seeking it was me trusting God um, to make it happen because I was doing what he told me to do in his word seek him first I got back on eHarmony and approximately two months later is when I met Helen and Helen uh, lived in Beijing China and my initial response was she was too far away and I, I wasn't really interested in pursuing um, a relationship halfway across the world but as Helen and I began to chat and communicate and also Skype, I, I realized in my spirit um, that Helen was the one for me, that this is the woman that God had provided. After eight months of communicating, Skyping with Helen, um, God blessed me to travel to China and Helen and I got married. God provided everything um, that I needed, that I desired. Um, everything fell in place for me, financially, um, relationship-wise. Um, things happened to me that I, I could never imagine. Um, I went from unemployment, not having a steady income, not knowing where my next paycheck was gonna come from or, or whatever, to being in China, traveling over China, going to the Great Wall, everything that Again, I could think of or imagine or couldn't imagine, God did just by me making that adjustment in my life, seeking him first. I'm Bryant and I'm being shaped by scripture. Well, good morning. 
Well, 25 years ago, I was a college student, and I was attending a small Southern Baptist church not too far from campus. It was about half the size of this church. And one Sunday morning, about halfway through the service, I quietly excused myself to the restroom. And once inside, I locked the door, and then I proceeded to throw up for the rest of the service because I was too hungover to sit through church. Well, my name is Richard Rock. <laughs> they last, last, laughed last time, too. I don't know why. <laughs> and I am humbled to say that I have been saved by Jesus, and I am grateful that we serve a God who redeems and transforms sinners just like me. And I am also humbled to say that I serve as one of the elders here at Central Christian Church, and if you are new here today, then we want to make sure that you are welcomed. And uh, whether you are walking strong with Jesus or you are hungover and thinking about excusing yourself to the restroom, we hope that you feel welcomed and invited and that you find Central to be a place where you can discover and develop a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is really what this four-week series that we're wrapping up today has been about, shaped by Scripture, is how do we develop those life-changing relationships with Jesus? And we've heard lots of great stories during this series, including Bryant's and some good teaching from uh, Kyle and Gary. And today I'm going to share a little bit of my story, but anytime we're going to enter into God's Word, we should do so with prayer. So will you join me in prayer, please? Dear Heavenly Father, we just commit this time to you. We are grateful for your word. We're grateful for the freedoms that we have to gather and to study your word and to be in community without fear. And Lord, we just ask this morning that if there's anything that we've brought with us, distractions or worries or uh, thinking about what's next, Lord, that you would just remove those from us. You'd sweep it away, that nothing would get in the way of you opening our minds and our hearts and our eyes and our ears this morning to hear what it is that you have for us. In your son's name, amen. Well, I grew up in a Christian home, and we went to church most Sundays, uh, mostly non-denominational churches. I went to youth group and did an occasional summer camp as a kid, and by the time I was graduating from high school, I was pretty well steeped in Christian culture, and I knew all the right answers to the churchy-type questions, and... Um, when I went off to college, I decided that here's my opportunity to make it my own. And so I sort of doubled down on my faith and I joined a lot of fellowship organizations like Crew and Baptist Student Ministries. And I joined several Bible studies. I had my first denominational experience joining a Southern Baptist church. And my friends and I were just really active on campus. We would uh, do door-to-door -door evangelism, argue with uh, atheists in the school newspaper. And generally, we just pursued God with a lot of energy and good intentions. And it was during this time that I began to understand um, the purpose and value of baptism by immersion, that it was so important that Jesus himself had actually uh, demonstrated uh, being baptized. And so one Sunday during a revival meeting, uh, I went down front, and even though I had been a believer for many years, um, I had never been baptized, and so I expressed my interest in being baptized. Now, in all truthfulness, uh, I didn't have 100% pure motives. There may have been a girl sitting next to me that I was hoping would notice how spiritual and courageous I was <laughs> for going down front. <clears throat> but nonetheless, a, a few weeks later, I followed Jesus' example, and I was baptized. 
Well, even as I was being baptized um, and going to Bible studies and sharing the four spiritual laws with strangers, um, I began to develop a second set of friends. And these were more of the stereotypical uh, college students who, uh, you know, wanted to have some fun and would party on the weekends. And before long, I was joining them for a beer on Fridays and um, then on Saturdays and then for some heavier drinking. And I was living two different lives before I knew it. And it, most of my friends didn't notice because the two friend sets didn't interact that much. Um, but I knew that what I said I believed and what I was actually doing was different. I was partying on Friday and Saturdays with one set and going to church and Bible studies the rest of week, the week with others. And that was unsettling to me. And while I would have bristled at the idea of being called a hypocrite, that would have been a fair description of who I was. Well, I carried this on for a while until one Sunday I found myself locked in the church bathroom, throwing up, unable to carry on the pace or the pretense any longer. After service, I took myself home, and um, I probably would have carried on the charade a bit longer, except that in my next Bible study, we were looking at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And here Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I stopped right there. Because I knew that I wasn't using my body in a way that glorified God. And I knew that my actions were neither holy nor pleasing to God. And that I was conforming more and more to the pattern of this world rather than being transformed to look more and more like Jesus Christ. Well, I didn't want to be a hypocrite any longer. And so I knew exactly what I had to do. So I took my church bulletin from that Sunday and my cute little bookmark with a dove and some encouraging verse written on it and I shoved it in my Bible right at Romans chapter 12 and closed my Bible for the next 10 years. Right? Because that's one really effective way to stop being a hypocrite. Is anybody ready to revote on my eldership yet? <laughs> Stick around because at 1230 we're having the congregational meeting and somebody can make a motion. Okay. Well, God is so patient. And he is so merciful and he is so good. I think as I was walking away from God in the church, there was part of me that expected that like I'd be struck by lightning or that um, I'd be given some horrible, incurable disease or uh, somehow a ton of bricks being dropped on my life that would force me back into right behavior. But that isn't how our God operates because our God wants to be in a true relationship with us and that can't be forced. God is so patient. You know, I, God waited for me while I lived out my life for the next 10 years. I graduated from school. I started my career. And I lived the way I wanted to live. I did what I wanted to do. Spent my money the way I wanted to spend it. I dated the way I wanted to date. Talked the way I wanted to talk. Cared about the things I wanted to care about. And basically conformed myself to whatever image of the world I found most attractive at that moment. I didn't think a lot about God. I kind of knew in the back of my mind that I would probably come back to God and the church at some point in the future, probably after I was done having fun. 
And I felt pretty comfortable that because I believed in once saved, always saved, I sort of had my insurance policy in place. If I died, I was going to go to heaven, right? But I wasn't thinking a whole lot about God. But God is so patient. But our God is not patient in an idle way. Our God is patient in the way that only a sovereign God can be patient. He is patient in the way that only a God who has a plan for your life and the means by which he can orchestrate and gently woo you back into relationship, that's the sort of patience he has. And he has prayer warriors like my mom and my grandma, and he uses prayer to bring us back into relationship with them. And because God creates us, he also knows how to reach out to us. And for myself, that meant that he knew that he had created me to love science and to love logic. And so in 2002, he used my mom to send me two tapes from a man named Chuck Missler. Now, Missler was not a Bible scholar or a pastor. Um, he was actually a scientist and an engineer, a successful businessman. And um, he studied the Bible in his spare time, and then he would give lectures on Bible prophecy and um, Bible commentaries. He wrote books and did topical studies. And it was the first time I had ever heard somebody approach the Bible from a highly logical, scientific perspective, and it just totally intrigued me. And it was during this time of listening and studying uh, with Chuck Missler's aides that I began to understand that even though the Bible is written by 40 different authors over thousands of years, that it's actually a single integrated message system from the creator of the universe to us. And that because it is written by God, we can trust that every single part of it can be beautifully and logically woven together to help us better understand who God is and what uh, and, and this universe and what his plan and purpose is for our lives. I learned so much listening to Chuck Missler, but there were two verses in particular that he really helped root me in. The first was 2 Corinthians 3, chapter, or chapter 3, verse 16, where it says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And what we really focused on, or what he really focused on when he was teaching was this, all scripture is useful. That there is no part of the Bible because it's all written by God. It is all there for a purpose. And if you've been here for the last couple of years, you may recall that um, I taught on Genesis chapter 5 one Sunday where we looked at the genealogy of Noah. This is one of those chapters where it's kind of repetitive and lots of names that are hard to pronounce and ages. And, and it's just one of those chapters that generally you'd love to like read through really quickly. Um, but as we dug into the names and we looked at what the meanings of the names were, we realized that hidden away right here in Genesis chapter or in the first book of the Bible was the gospel message, the story about how Jesus was going to come and save us. And it was those sorts of truths that Chuck Missler um, helped me understand that was just so enlightening to me. It gave me trust in the Bible that this was a book that I could base my life around. Second, Missler pointed out Proverbs 25.2. And this is a verse that really helped me put my love of science into a biblical context. And what Missler reminded us of is that um, God created the whole universe. And that because he created us and he knew that we would love discovering the mysteries of science, that he 
hid away all the secrets of science and all the mysteries that we as humans love to um, unravel. And so Proverbs 25.2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, and to, to search out a matter is the glory of kings. He put all of science in place for us to discover it. In fact, true science is the process of discovering God's glory in creation. And this is hard to see sometimes because a lot of times science is misused to try and disprove who God is. But I love knowing that God created science and that God wrote the Bible. And someday these two things will be perfectly harmonized. And that every time we find an apparent discrepancy between the Bible and science, that we can have confidence that there's something, there's still another mystery and another secret that we're going to discover that someday is going to prove those to be perfectly harmonized together. So, um, you know, this is part of the reason why, or excuse me, even as I was having this renaissance of thought and faith, um, I was at the same time meeting Michelle, and we became engaged to be married, and we started attending Central Christian Church. And to be honest, um, we had a difficult time getting kind of connected here at Central. It took us over a year to feel like this was our church home. And there were a couple of times when we thought about leaving during that year. Uh, we are so grateful that Brady and Libby Esch, uh, who still attend, um, pulled us, uh, grabbed us one Sunday and started getting us connected with a life group and um, with people in the congregation. And that was really a, an, an important turning point for us. And we're so grateful that God kept us here because we have learned so much through the teaching and through relationships with so many of you and opportunities to serve. And God just has used Central in our life so much. And by 2008, we were very engaged with Central. In fact, we were co-teaching the Young Adult Fellowship uh, class together with Mary and Philip Joseph. And um, I was continuing to read books and listen to podcasts and great teachers and Bible commentaries. My knowledge of the Bible was growing significantly. But what I still wasn't doing was actually reading the Bible for myself on a regular basis. And so at a Christmas party in 2008 at Philip's home, he pulled me aside and he challenged me to make reading my Bible a part of my daily discipline. Well, it wasn't so much that I didn't want to do it, but we were busy. We had two small children. I had just recently started a new company and we were busy at church and I wasn't really sure where I was going to fit it into my daily schedule. Um, And in addition to that, I think I had become overly dependent on... Uh, great teachers, podcasts and books, like people who could teach so effectively that I began to question whether or not it was even a good use of my time to try and read the Bible. Wouldn't I learn a lot faster and better if I just listened to great podcast teachers, right? But I couldn't get around the fact that God had actually given us his word and that he did expect that we would read it. And I had to trust that if God wanted us to read his word, that he would also teach me what he wanted to get out of it. So in small steps at first, I started reading my Bible more regularly. And I was amazed over the following year as I read through the Bible for the first time, um, what God taught me. It was so much different than I had expected. You know, God promises that when we read his word, he will show up. And he absolutely did for me in that first year. I came away with such a fuller understanding of who God was, in awe for who he was. I realized that, you know, our God won't fit neatly into the cute little boxes that we create for him. 
that he loves us and that he has gone to incredible lengths throughout history to be in relationship with us that he knows everything, that we can't surprise him, that he is all-powerful, mighty, unstoppable, and yet he still loved us enough that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross so that we wouldn't be separated from him forever. I came away from that first year of reading my Bible, and I thought, how did I ever think that I could know who God was without reading his word? And I realized that there were no amount of words that these talented teachers or podcast commentators could speak to help me truly understand God. And this is why at Central we spend so much time talking about reading plans and reading your Bible and doing it in community and on your own because we want you to come face-to-face with God as well and to be changed by his word. And so right now we've got the reading plans going on uh, through the YouVersion app. We've got Bible uh, bookmarks out back that uh, have scripture, uh, a scripture plan, a reading plan on them that you can use. And we so want you to do that as a part of your growth here at Central. Well, next, God began to reveal John chapter 15, verse 7 to me. And in this verse, Jesus is speaking, and he says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. Now, this seemed like a really important verse to me because um, I knew that in my prayer life, I was always coming to God with like the list of things that I was hoping would happen. And this sounded like the formula to get things done. But I kept getting hung up on the idea of what does it mean if my words remain in you? And my good friend, Kevin Valco, um, Bob and Lori's son, uh, was a part of our young, and, young adult fellowship group at that time. And he actually suggested, he said, you know, one way to literally make sure that my words remain in you is to uh, do scripture memorization. And this made a lot of sense to me. And so Kevin offered to be my accountability partner. And I told him that I wanted to do that, but that I, I hadn't memorized any scripture since I was like six years old. So maybe we can start with something easy. Well, Kevin chose Joshua 1.8, and um, I was a little ticked with Kevin at the time because it was a little longer than I was hoping for. But I was so grateful after we did it for two reasons. First, the, um, it's a great verse. But second... After I was done memorizing this verse for the first time, this was the first verse we memorized, it completely destroyed the lie that I was hanging on to, that I was unable to memorize scripture. And so um, this, this verse in the ESV reads, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you might be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Well, Kevin and I set to work memorizing this book of the law. And I don't know how many verses we memorized over the following year, probably 30 or more. Um, But we would call each other up every week, and we would um, challenge each other to recite the verses that we had memorized. Uh, We would think about and suggest verses that we wanted to memorize for the following week. And we held each other accountable to word-for-word memorization. We wanted to do it exactly like the Bible said it. Because we thought, you know, if we're going to take the time to hide Scripture in our heart, then let's, let's be true to the text. Let's do it exactly like that. And I've got to tell you, this exercise has absolutely changed my life. It's something that I have, I continue to do today. Um, and 
I think some of the ways that it has changed me is, first of all, I spend a lot more time meditating on true things rather than false things. When I am under assault from the evil one, I have scripture at hand to do battle with Satan. That um, the sword of the spirit is right there. Whether I'm under mental attack or emotional attack or spiritual attack, I have scripture at hand. Uh, Third, it has changed how I pray. Um, Both my personal prayers as well as when I'm praying with other people. Praying scripture back to God is such a powerful way to, um, to pray with God. And finally, it literally has changed how I think. And that is exactly what the Bible tells us it will do, that it will transform our minds. So uh, there are a lot of great tools out there to help you. I use one um, every day called Scripture Typer. It's available for your iPhone or your Androids through uh, the App Store or the Google Play Store. Um, And it has just revolutionized how I memorize Scripture, and I highly recommend it to you. Well, next... Um, God used Roger Edrington, and I know many of you know Roger. Uh, he is our former senior pastor here at Central. He retired a couple of years ago. He and his wife still attend, um, and Roger has just been a great counselor and advisor and model for me, but he's also the person who nominated me to be an elder. And in 2011, uh, Roger was preparing to visit one of our missionaries, I think it was Indonesia, and he came to me and he asked if I would be willing to finish up our series on Ephesians. Now, when Roger asked me to do this, um, I felt a little bit like Owen Wilson from Armageddon. Uh, And you may recall that uh, they're being strapped into the space shuttle, getting ready to go up into space to defeat the asteroid that is careening towards Earth, promising to wipe out everything as we know it. And as they're strapping Owen Wilson in, he's like, oh, I'm so excited. He goes, a little scared, but like 98% excited and 2% scared, or maybe it's 2% excited and 98% scared, but I'm just so excited, right? And that's how I felt when Roger asked me to preach for the very first time. I have, uh, it, it was such an enormous privilege and high honor to be able to, to be asked to speak from this pulpit. And I've never lost that feeling. I have never um, lost my awe and respect for the fact that this pulpit belongs to God. And that I am responsible to God for every word that I speak from up here. I have a high duty of care to listen carefully to what God wants to say to prepare diligently, to speak truth in love, and to give it my absolute best, and then to give it over to God for him to use however he chooses. When I'm up here in the pulpit, the verse that rings in my ears is Paul speaking in 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2, and he says, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And that's what I want to do when I'm up here. I want to preach the word. I don't want to do anything else. In the Greek, the word preach is caruso. 
And it can also be translated uh, to proclaim or exult in. And that's what I want to do. I want to proclaim the fact that God has changed my life. I want to exult over the word, the living word of God, our Bible and the scriptures that change our lives. And I want to encourage you to understand that there is a God out there that loves you, that has a plan for your life, so that you might not just leave this room thinking, oh, we did another week at church, but that you might come away saying, I want to follow Jesus more closely. I want to let Jesus change me for more fully, and I want to join in the mission of Jesus for my life. But I think what I've come to understand over the years is that probably the person that most needs to hear the sermons that I have the privilege of speaking from up here is myself. In Isaiah chapter 43, verse 7, we are told that we're all created to bring glory to God. Each of you has been created to bring glory to God, and so have I. And like you, I am a traveler on this road seeking to figure out how I can best bring glory to God. What I've realized is that I can't do that in my own power. That to bring glory to God requires God to help me bring glory to God. And that means that I have to be transformed. That means that I need Jesus' help to do it. And this is scriptural too. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. And what this means is that when we are studying God's word, when we're observing and um, contemplating and um, looking at God's word, trying to understand it, we are literally coming face to face with God. And that process of coming face to face with God will change us. That's what I discovered the first time that I read through the Bible all the way through. And I promise you that if you enter into a serious reading of God's word, you will be changed also. And when you do that on a regular basis, you begin to be changed in really meaningful ways, big ways. And God starts to share his will and his purpose with you. He nudges you and encourages you and shows you things that you've never seen before, and he begins to transform you. And this is something that I want And as a husband and a father and a boss and an elder, it's not just something that I want. It's something that I desperately need. I need to know what God's plan is for me. I need to know what it is that he wants for my family and the resources and gifts that he's given us. Um, I need to know what it is that he wants for Central during this time of transition. And I can only have that knowledge when I'm being transformed by God. And here's the, here's the crazy thing is that, you know, God actually wants you to understand his will more than you actually want to understand his will. And God shows us how we can understand what his will is in our lives. Now, pay attention because God just cracks me up. Like, this is the thing that always makes me laugh. So you remember where I put my cute little bookmark? Back in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, right? Um, and uh, the first part of that, that verse was, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. 
Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, that's where I stopped. And as a hungover college student, I crossed my arms and said, no, I don't want to be transformed. I would rather conform. Well, now, as an adult and a parent and a husband, and in so many ways, I'm craving, like, what is your will, God? What do you want to do here? And it turns out that right where I stopped is the answer to the question, right? Because the very second, the second part of verse 2 there tells us that we're being transformed so that we can test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So right where I put my bookmark, right where I stopped transforming, right where I said no was the thing that most hindered me from understanding what God's will and purpose was for my life. Now, I need to be transformed if I want to understand God's will because I can't do it on my own. When I conform, when I try and look like something that I'm not, that's just a form of religion. If you're in your best effort, even with good motives, trying to look like something different and trying to conform to something, even if it seems attractive, that that's actually sin. If you remember, uh, if you're in the reading plan, in Romans chapter 14, verse 23, we recently read um, the verse that talked about how anything that doesn't come from faith is sin. So if you're conforming, trying to look like, you know, you're a lump of clay and you're trying to look like a cup, um, and you're just wrapping yourself around a cup, you're you're trying to be something that you're not. And that's not what God wants. God wants us to be transformed. He doesn't want a lump of clay that is looking like a cup. He wants something entirely different. He wants something that will bring him glory, that is beautiful and attractive because he made it so. And we read this in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, where it says, therefore, if, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And that's what happens to us when we allow Jesus Christ and when we allow the scriptures to transform us. We become disciples of Jesus. We start doing what he's asked us to do and we change in ways that make us look more and more like him. Here at Central, we define a disciple as, uh, according to Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And here Jesus is saying, come, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. From this, Central gets the three parts of our, uh, what a disciple is. Somebody who's following Jesus, somebody who's being changed by Jesus, and somebody who is joining in the mission of Jesus. But you know, I really love the way that Steve Clifford ended his sermon a month ago. And he was reading in John chapter 13, verse 17. Jesus is in the upper room, and he makes this statement. He says, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. That is such a simple explanation of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. If you do these things, you will be blessed if you, if you do these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Or now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. You know, that's a sermon I need to hear. Because in way too many ways, I am still that hungover college student that is crossing my arms and saying, no, I want to do it my way. Now, before we conclude today, 
I just want to go back and touch on one thing. Um, we're going to have a moment. In a moment, we'll have an opportunity for prayer. But, um, you know, when I walked away from the church um, and 25 years later, I can look back and I, look, I can look at all the ways that God has blessed me. A beautiful wife and family and a career and living in such an awesome part of the world. And it would be so easy to say that, you know, there just wasn't that much cost to me walking away. So maybe it's okay for others to do that as well. But, you know, just as we say, therefore, if you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The opposite is true as well, that if we don't do what we know Jesus is calling us to do, we're missing out on blessings that he intended for us. And sometimes the blessings that we're missing out on are difficult to understand until much later. And sometimes we don't really have a full appreciation of what we've missed out on until you're married or in a later stage of life. And I know that sometimes we use the words that uh, make it sound, you know, easy. We'll talk about how I've brought baggage into my marriage or into my relationships. And really, I think in some cases, that term baggage is just a euphemism for the blessings that I've missed out on. So if you've got an opportunity today, if you're making a choice of either walking away like I did or doing the things that Jesus has called you to and experiencing those blessings, I so encourage you to not go the route that I went. Well, as we conclude today, I just want to ask you, where are you at? Are you, like me, that college student with your arms crossed, saying no to transformation, no to Jesus? Are you a parent whose children are still a long way away from God? Don't stop praying for them. I know that God used those prayers to help bring me back. Are you seeing someone in the congregation today that maybe is new, that you have the opportunity to welcome and make feel like this is their home too, like Brady and Libby did for Michelle and me? Don't miss that opportunity. Are you in a life group where you can encourage someone to read their Bible or take the next step the way Philip did? It's so important. Or maybe you can be in an accountability relationship for scripture memorization or something else like Kevin did for me. Or maybe you have the opportunity to equip and prepare somebody for what is coming, what God has planned and prepared them for, like Roger did for me. Are you sensing a theme here? I didn't do this by myself. I did it in community with the people that God put around me. Or maybe this morning you're the person that's being prayed for or welcomed or encouraged or invited into an accountability relationship or equipped for something that's coming and you just need to say yes. Whatever it is this morning, I just want to leave you with these words from Jesus. John chapter 13, verse 17, when he said, now that you know these things, you will be blessed If you do them, what do you need to do? Will you pray with me, please? Dear Heavenly Father, gosh, we are truly blessed by you. Lord, we are blessed to have your word. We are blessed that you are patient with us. We are blessed that you're not finished with us. 
We are blessed that you promise to complete what you start. And Lord, today as I look around and I see a room full of transforming people just like me, Lord, we ask that you would give us strength to do what you've called us to so that we wouldn't leave a single blessing that you have in store for us on the floor. Lord, as we pray and we wrap up this service today, I just pray that you would encourage us, that you would strengthen us, and that you would draw us back to you in your son's name.